the hell are you supposed to be? I'm comic book movie guy. Today we do something very special. Today we have reached the part of the series segment, The Scale, where we tackle The Dark Knight. Now, I wanted to preface this episode by saying this is the greatest comic book movie of all time. Whether you're a fan of superhero film or not, it is arguably one of the best films for the superhero genre. And Christopher Nolan set a tone here that has been so far unmatched. So as a fan of this film franchise, as a fan of Christopher Nolan and everything that he's done, I welcome you to sit down and relive those moments that you may have had in 2008 in the theaters when you sat down for the first time and watched The Dark Knight. I invite you to relive Heath Ledger's performance. I invite you to relive Christian Bale's growly Batman. I invite you to sit down and relax and enjoy episode 7 of series segment The Scale, The Dark Knight. ago, these uh, cops and lawyers wouldn't dare cross any of you. I mean, what happened? So what are you proposing? It's simple. Kill the Batman. <laughs> Here's my card. Bruce, this is Harvey Dent. Rachel's told me everything about you. I certainly hope not. You once told me that we'd be together. Did you mean it? Bruce, don't make me your only hope for a normal life. You're Alfred, right? That's right, sir. Any psychotic ex-boyfriends I should be aware of? Oh, you have no idea. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Well, hello, beautiful. You look nervous. I've seen now what I have to become to stop men like him. The night is darkest just before the dawn. I promise you, the dawn is coming. And here we go. Come on. This city deserves a better class of criminal. I'm gonna give it to him. No! You'll see. I'll show you. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. in the back putter the middle of the day alfred not very subtle the lamborghini then much more subtle all right here we go you guys i am so excited for this episode i hope that 
you know, that trailer gives you guys enough that you can, you know, just enjoy every moment of it like I do. Every time I hear that trailer, you get the proper clips in there to give you the vibe of this movie. You know, you have the stakes that are so high with the Joker. You see glimpses of Heath's performance as the Joker and you get Harvey Dent in there and all of the other players like Alfred and, you know, Rachel. And of course, Bruce is in there as well. Today, we're doing the good versus the bad. Now, you'll be surprised to hear that I do have some bad points for this film. And of course I do. Like any film, you know, you can have these opinion-based bads, right? And again, there's so few of them. This is going to be a very similar sort of tally to Mask of the Phantasm if you guys watched episode three. Way back in episode three. We're all the way on episode seven of this already. How exciting is that? I just... You know, and if you're one of the ones who sat down and listened to Batman 1989, my first one, and you've kind of worked your way through this series of podcast episodes, I appreciate that so much. Like, if you did do that, you've sort of been able to re-watch the films as you go as well. Because that's what I've been doing. I've been re-watching them, and you just get this sort of new sense of love for the films You know, even if you didn't watch them in the first place, maybe you listened to the podcast episode and you just said to yourself, I want to try these things out, like the 90s Batmans. But I think everyone has watched the Dark Knight trilogy and specifically the Dark Knight because it's such a well-known film and it's grown into this sort of iconic superhero film, like gold standard for superhero films or any film for that matter. That's why this film is so successful, is it's not even a superhero film when you watch it at times. It's a crime thriller. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a real sort of group cast. You know, it's an ensemble. And it's led by a very, very powerful performance by Heath Ledger. And, you know, these supporting characters, like Harvey Dent, like Aaron Eckert, You're going to hear in this review where I go good versus bad, he's like, he's pretty close to the MVP of this film. If there was not a scenario where Heath Ledger was in this film, my clear MVP becomes Harvey Dent. And I'll talk to you about that a little bit later. But I've been sort of going back and forth over how I want to do this. And I think since this is such a good movie and there's so many goods to get through, I'm going to just do the bad really quick and sort of get the negativity out of the way. And again, these are all just opinion-based things that I just went through. And, you know, I watched the film a couple of times and it's, I, I enjoy myself so damn much when I watch this film that it's actually hard to pull the bad points out. But I did find some. So let's get into it. So here are the, here are the comic book movie guy bad points. And the first one comes right off the bat from the heist with the clowns, so Joker's thugs. And I just wanted to comment on this. My first bad point is that school bus that comes out of the bank and just sort of joins the assembly line of other school buses. There's like dust coming off it. The cops are right there. I just have no idea how the cops didn't, like they couldn't tell that that was, you know, a mysterious bus 
you know, like, or the bus is behind that bus. You know, there's all this like smoke coming off the bus and stuff. It pulled out of the bank robbery and you're like, like nothing happened out of that. Again, minor detail there that I found. <laughs> More of these are like, I laugh at them too. Like the mobster that really loves his dogs, you know, like count how many times that Chechen sort of uh, mobster has his like dogs there. And he's like, this is why we bring dogs. <laughs> My dogs are hungry. <laughs> you know, like he's always talking about the dogs. And then ultimately his death scene at the end that we don't see Joker's like, why don't we feed you to your pooches and we'll see how hungry a loyal dog really is. You know, like everything around, like surrounding that guy is about his Rottweilers, his dogs. So I found that really funny and it's in my bad points, even though, you know, again, more funny than bad. On to the next one here. Enter Batman and his <laughs> robotic fighting. I have here that his robotic fighting drives me nuts. And it does. Like, and it's, and it's also the way that it's filmed, too. It's a lot of cutaway shots. You know, he's about to elbow a guy, and it cuts to a different scene. And then it cuts right back, and Batman's, you know, now he's punching the guy's leg. It's just the way he's filmed. And I find, you know, especially in that beginning bat suit at the very start of the film where we first see Batman, he's in the Batman Begins suit. He's very robotic with his punching and stuff. So that's just a minor thing. Batman's voice. Let's get this out of the way early so we don't have to talk about it for the rest of the day. All right, for the rest of this episode here. And it's that I really hate the direction that Christian Bale went with his voice. I think this film could have been a lot better for Batman had he done just a little less growly of a voice. And it really comes through at the end of the film. The third act of this film, Christian Bale just goes full on, like, he's basically like screaming. Like to the point where you can't really understand him at times. It's frustrating and I don't really like what he did there. Now, I do understand why they did it, right? Because you have this guy, this billionaire, who's trying to disguise himself as a Batman. And his voice is so noticeable because he's, you know, as Bruce Wayne, he's got this sort of, like, demeanor about him. But I will say this. Christian Bale's Batman is probably one of the better disguised Batman that I've seen, like, I don't think I could figure that out had I not watched, um, like, ha like if I'm not the audience member, if I'm trying to figure out who Batman is inside the film, it's very difficult to tell. He's got this crazy growly voice and he's kind of all over the place. His, his mask really does disguise him. So, but I hate the voice. Uh, Batman's suit is awful at the beginning. Yes, I talked about how I don't really like Batman begins uh, bat suit, but you know, he changes into a new suit and I'm glad he gets that upgrade. Okay. This one's actually a major one for me. How difficult is Gordon to understand at the beginning of the film? Can you guys make out anything that Gary Oldman says in the first like half an hour of the film? He is just so mumbly and quiet. I don't know what that is but it's just like really poor enunciation and 
it got better like halfway through the film and towards the end. But at the very beginning, you really have to pay close attention or even subtitles to understand what uh, Gordon is saying sometimes. This is a very important scene, <laughs> and it's uh, Christian Bale's lisp. Now, I talked about his lisp in the first one, and it's, you know, this is, a, again, it's an opinion that I have, but holy, some of the things that he says, the lisp just shines through so heavy. Like, that wasn't, that wasn't exactly what I wanted to say when I was gonna, meant to inspire people. You know, like, I just, that's all I hear is that lisp. I have here that I wish Rachel wasn't recast. Maggie Gyllenhaal is fine. I just really don't like her voice. It's really sort of, especially, you know, in the warehouse scene where she's attached to the barrels, it's really uh, cracking on her. And I don't think that's her fault. I think that's kind of, you know, a woman in crisis. She's, you know, she's been screaming, so she's got this sort of raspy voice. But just for me personally, I really did like Katie Holmes in Batman Begins. And it's just too bad that they couldn't have got her back for this movie. This is the worst scene for Gordon when he talks to Harvey. Harvey wants in on the Batman and Gordon uh, sort of talks, you know, like how they talk on the rooftop. He's like, he wants in. And he says, you know, are you going to count me in? You know, I can, I can help you with this situation is essentially what Harvey's saying to Gordon. And this is the scene I'm talking about. This is sort of the same bad point. Gordon sounds like he has about 500 marvel, marbles in his mouth in this scene. Next time you watch this scene, try and make out what he says. It's actually really, really hard. Oh, yeah, okay. So Bruce is on the, the boat, right? He takes all of the ballerinas on the love boat, and that's sort of his alibi for uh, heading to uh, China to pick up Lao and bring him back to Harvey so that they can interrogate him. But I have to laugh because he's on this giant yacht, right? In the middle of nowhere in the Caribbean. And Alfred's there with him. And this giant plane lands right beside the yacht. And Alfred says, I believe this is your plane, sir. Really, Alfred? You think? We're on a private island in the Caribbean. Whose plane? Who else's plane would it be? I just have to laugh at that every time. I don't love how they fake Gordon's death. It's kind of hard to believe and like... I just don't really believe that like all of the people, I don't really understand what happened there, right? Because the cops are telling Barbara, his wife, about the death. Like, I'm so sorry, Barbara, you know? And she's you brought this craziness on us. You did, you know? And like, she's losing it. So there's that. And then, you know, Batman's sad about it. So he doesn't know. But then somehow, like, Gordon comes back, you know? Like, they even show the scene of him like sort of dead on the ground after he gets shot at the mayor's, uh, oh, it's the memorial uh, ceremony for Commissioner Loeb. And he's just, the way they film that, I just don't really like that you're not sure how Gordon was able to pull this off, you know? How did nobody know that Gordon was alive? Or did they, you know? like And then like he shows up and Harvey's like, you do like to play things pretty close to the chest. I don't know. I don't, it's just minor thing, but I can't unsee it now when I watch it, which whatever. 
How does Harvey not know it's Joker until he takes off the medical mask in the hospital? This is a big one for me. So Joker's wearing all of his makeup. He's got this weird wig on and a nurse outfit. And Joker's sitting right beside the bed. And he's cranking Harvey up. Like once Harvey's got his burnt face, he's in the hospital. And he's slowly cranking him up. So And Harvey's looking at him the whole time. And Harvey doesn't lose it until Joker takes off that tiny little medical mask. And then he's like, oh shit, it's Joker. And he like jumps towards him and he's like, I'm going to kill you and stuff, you know? Like, how did you not know it was Joker before? Like his makeup is very, very noticeable. Final bad point. And then we're going to move on to why this is the best movie of all time. We're going to move on to the goods. My final bad point is, uh, Bale's bat voice is horrible at the end here with Joker. You know, like this city just showed you it's got people ready to believe in good. You're alone. You know, <laughs> like what? What did you just say? Next time you watch that, like the writing for that scene, if you put on the subtitles and you listen to what Bale actually says in that scene, and I'm going to get into a lot of quotes in my good side of this. Because there's so many. The reason this film is so good is because of the writing. So we'll get into that on the good side. But yeah, like I said, in this final bad point, I'm talking about when Joker's on the skyscraper with Batman. Kind of in the final, and Batman uses those claws on his uh, forearm. The ones that he shoots out early in the film. And uh, Lucius Fox says to him, uh, perhaps you should read the instructions first. And he says, yeah. And then at the end, it kind of comes full circle. And he says by the way, you know how I got these scars? And then he's like, no, but I know how you got these. And then he uses the, the spikes from his forearm, which I love that callback. But this scene, he's got some great dialogue. He's like talking about how the citizens of Gotham just showed you that like, it's full of people that believe in good, that know that they're not trash, that they're not worthless you know, like they beat Joker in a way, like the city helped Batman defeat Joker because they didn't blow each other up on the, on the ferries. So anyways, let's move on from the bad because, you know, I have to do this because it's part of the scale and I wanted to just get those in there. So let's go on to the, the really good stuff. All right. So starting with the good, we went from sort of that gray scale at the very beginning of Batman Begins to now we've shifted to a blue and the blue sort of flames, right? Now, here's what I was talking about with Christopher Nolan and using the elements at the beginning of his intros. Now we have fire. So we started with an earth element in the bats in the first one, and now we're onto fire and we sort of get the, the Batman logo, <clears throat> the bat logo kind of coming through the fire at the beginning. And then all of a sudden we're into the bank robbery scene. And the bank robbery scene is such a phenomenal start. The thugs are all dressed like clowns and Joker is part of them, but we don't know that yet, right? Like we don't know it's Joker until he sort of reveals himself at the end. All of the thugs are sort of talking about Joker's plan and, you know, he thinks he can sit it out and still take a slice and all this crap. And then, you know, <clears throat> he's, he's instructed all of these guys to take each other out. So he's like, you know, boss said when I was done, I should take him out, you know, one less share, right? And I hear he wears makeup, you know, like war paint to scare people. Like he's just, Joker's kind of a myth 
in a way. Um, the score for this film is so subtle. It's kind of like a, like a ringing. Like, you know when you kind of hear something really loud and then your ears sort of ring? That's sort of what comes in at times. And I find it really effective because you know when things are about to happen because you sort of hear this ringing starting to occur. These thugs are high-class robbers. They're very talented, and it, it's honestly, it's so entertaining and fun to watch. Fun fact, the Joker mask that he's wearing during the robbery is from the 60s Batman TV show. Caesar Romeo wore that uh, mask in the early stages, so that's like a little Easter egg for major Batman, fan, major Batman fans there. I love how each one of the thugs were instructed by Joker to kill each other once a specific task is complete, right? Like the guy th- like flips the silent alarm and he's like, is it a problem? And he's like, no, I'm done here. And then the guy shoots him in the back. And, you know, what a, what a Joker thing to do, you know? Have each one of your mobsters sort of take each other out as their, each one of your thugs, I should say, take each other out as that specific task that they're hired for is complete. I love that. Final note on the bank robbery, the Joker reveal is so awesome. He's threatening, he's terrifying. Couldn't have asked for a better first look, really. You know, when he takes that mask off and I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. And I remember that reveal in theaters and I was I was taken back. I was like, holy, this is, you know, this is something we've never seen before and we're in for a treat here. I love that Gordon is on the rooftop waiting for Batman and he mentions to Ramirez, the, the female cop in this, uh, that hopefully he's out there busy, you know? She's like, she's like, doesn't he, like, does he ever show up or whatever, right? And he's like, not often. He often doesn't show up, but hopefully because he's busy. I have here that I love the copycats. So such a cool, believable idea. Scarecrow knows right away that it's not Batman, like all these guys with guns and stuff. And then the Batmobile comes flying over that pillar and he goes, that's more like it, you know? I love uh, when he jumps, when Batman jumps off the side of the, uh, the pillar and sort of lands on the roof of the van to stop Scarecrow from getting away. That's such a badass shot. I love when, uh, where the new Batcave is now, like how it's in that underground sort of, like he hops in a sea can and it's sort of the sea can reclines under this harbor. I thought that was like, and they have like the white sort of ceiling tiles, but they're, uh, they have lights in them. It's, it's such a cool look. And, you know, the Batcave for this movie has such a specific look because of that reason. He's kind of, it's not even a Batcave really. He's just kind of, doing something in the meantime while Wayne Manor is being rebuilt. Uh, Enter Harvey Dent. So here we go, you guys, okay? This is what I was talking about. He's so good in this. Talk about, like, your perfect subplot in Harvey Dent. That's kind of the reason this film excels, is you have this sort of other character that not only are you rooting for Harvey, but you're also aware that Harvey Dent becomes Two-Face. So we're wondering the whole movie, when is this going to happen, you know? And Aaron Eckert is phenomenal. He's such a good actor in this. And he's, he plays this perfect 
sort of supporting character. I also have here that Maroney is very good as well. Um, and fun fact for you guys, I didn't know this, but that's Julia Roberts' brother. And he does a really, really good job in this. He plays the perfect mobster, in my opinion. The pace of this film, so good and so watchable. There's so many aspects that it keeps you interested and intrigued the whole time. One time, like what you, you can be watching this bank robbery and then you can be watching the mobsters talk about their money. And there's this subplot with Harvey and Rachel sort of have a love interest. And then in all of this, we have the Joker who comes in, right? And Batman's there. And when Joker and Batman are sort of like the exciting moments in a film, but you're so intrigued by the rest that's happening around it, it makes for this phenomenal movie. Bruce's dialogue when he's acting like a billionaire is actually really good in this one. I didn't like it as much. Remember when I said in my episode, if you watched Batman Begins, the previous episode here, I mentioned that I don't really like that Bruce sort of plays off this asshole persona, but it works really well in this one. And we don't see a lot of uh, Bruce in that light as much in this one. But when he's talking to Harvey uh, at the dinner with Rachel, I just, I really like it. Okay, it's time. Heath Ledger. I have here that Heath Ledger is the MVP of this film, no doubt. But the fact that they use Harvey Dent's narrative um, of you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain, it's just the best thing we could have ever asked for. This film is one of the best written superhero movies of all time. No question. Just no question there. Uh, I have here that it's like watching a political crime thriller. Yes, we talked about that. It's, it is. It's a political crime thriller with a superhero involved. Heath's first scene with the mob is just, what do I have here? It's just that he's so easy to watch. And what they captured on film for him, for this performance it just blows me away every single time. And every little tick he has, every, you know, he has every blink, nod, point, lick, and joke. Everything. He's got it right down to a T. He's got it down to this science. And, you know, fun fact for you guys, in that scene where he sort of talks to um, Gamble for the first time, and he sets up the, you want to know how I got these scars? Like that scene, that is the, that's sort of the, the scene that he ran for Christopher Nolan and a producer before the filming was even shot. This was the first sort of taste that they got of what their Joker was going to be. Heath had this whole thing planned out and he sat down and he did that sort of scene for Christopher Nolan and can you just imagine can you guys imagine for a second just being in that room and watching Heath come in in makeup for the first time and just kind of laying out that my father was a drinker and a fiend you know like so like I can't even begin to go on and on about this sort of performance that Heath did but the only way I really know how to express how good of a performance it was through a podcast is by maybe reading the lines to you that 
you know, I looked up some of the lines for this film and I just wanted to reiterate some of the writing that took place by David Goyer in this. And this is what Joker says to Gamble. He says, you want to know how I got these scars? My father was a drinker and a fiend. And one night he goes off crazier than usual. Mommy grabs the kitchen knife to defend himself, to defend herself. He doesn't like that. Not one bit. So me watching, he takes the knife to her, laughing while he does it. He turns and he says, why so serious? He comes at me with the knife. Why so serious? Sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. And why so serious? Me just reading that, it's good writing, but you need the performance. And that's why I wanted to put this little clip of Heath Ledger in here, just to give you guys another taste of that. You want to know how I got these scars? My father was a drinker and a fiend. And one night, he goes off crazier than usual. Mommy gets the kitchen knife to defend herself. He doesn't like that. Not one bit. So, me watching, he takes the knife to her laughing while he does it he turns to me and he says why so serious he comes at me with the knife why so serious he sticks the blade in my mouth let's put a smile on that face and Why so serious? So there you go. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Delivery, delivery, delivery. How good is Heath Ledger in that scene? Like, man, if you just have somebody sitting here reading that line, you're going to say, really good writing. But then you watch this performance of him. And that's like you guys listening to this podcast right now. That's not even watching it. That's just listening to him. And when I listen to him, I'm like, I'm fixed. I'm focused. I'm like, he just draws my attention in. It's incredible. Moving on. I love this scene of Bruce um, on the building where he's firing the explosive gel. So this is the first time we see his new suit, which I really like that new suit. I don't know about you guys, but the Dark Knight suit is my favorite suit out of all of Bale's suits that we end up seeing. And, uh, you know, he's on top of this rooftop in China. And it's very apparent that, like I said before with Christopher Nolan, they go to different places to shoot. And for sure, they went on top of this building in the middle of the night and had Christian Bale hooked up to the side of this building and shot that scene. And I love that. Like, the scenes and sets are so practical. And that's... Yeah, it makes for a really good scene when he dives down um, and takes Lau back to Gotham City through the skyhook. It's awesome and a major Batman moment for me. I have here that the mayor is very good too. Very good. Like the supporting players in this sort of bigger Gotham City story are all very good. The movie takes a dark turn when... Harvey's talking to the mayor and the mayor sort of says, you know, they're all going to come after you now. 
all of the mob, you know, you're hitting the mob where it hurts in their wallets. And that's bold. And they're going to come after you. They don't care about anybody else. They're going to come after you. And he's like, you know, I, I can take it. You know, I took this, I knew the risk when I took this job, all this crap. And boom, we get the first sense of what's going to happen here with this Joker and how dark this Joker is. Batman, uh, one of the impersonators of Batman, one of the copycats, hung from a noose with Joker paint on his face. Then we get the little scene off of the camcorder. And, you know, it's like Bruce is in his penthouse and he sees on the TV, it says, you know, for Gotham tonight, it's like, warning, warning the images will be disturbing. And then we go to this little handmade video from the Joker. And fun fact for you guys, Heath Ledger actually shot this little film by himself in a fridge with the other actor. Like he took it upon himself to shoot this scene by himself. There was no other crew in there. He just went in there with this actor. And I got to say, like, how scared would you be being that actor? Like Heath is so unpredictable and crazy. Like, I just love this performance. So another fact for you guys here, I'm going to call these little fun facts throughout the episode. The fundraiser scene was the first scene they shot for this film. It was the first time anyone saw Heath in the Joker makeup. Um, So the reactions from everyone in that scene were very real. They were terrified. The extras were scared. And if you watch that scene again when he comes in and he's, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. You know, I only have one question. You know, he's going around like grabbing all this, grabbing this girl's drink. He's touching people's heads. He's like slapping people a little bit. You know, like, I just think about that. And I think of the way that they decided to do that. You know, these people all signed a waiver to be on set with Heath Ledger. And he did not disappoint. And I wanted to comment on this scene. So I recently found out that Maggie Gyllenhaal was actually extremely uncomfortable in this scene. She also hadn't seen Heath in makeup yet. And he kind of went off script and he grabbed her to add more effect to this scene. So he was just, you know, the scene where he's like, you must be Harvey Squeeze, you know, like he's walking towards her. And he's like, he has that sort of scene where he's supposed to deliver the line of, you know, how I got these scars. And what's scary about that scene is that he changes the story right? With Gamble, he's like, my father was a drinker and a fiend. One day he goes off crazier than usual and all this crap. But then with Maggie Gyllenhaal in the scene with Rachel, he grabs her and he's got this whole other story about my wife, you know, she's a gambler and she gets in deep with the sharks. One night she carve, they carve her face. You know, we don't have money for surgeries. She can't take it, (laughs) you know, like, so I stick a razor in my mouth and I do this to myself. But as instead of just delivering the line how he was supposed to, he goes right up to her, gets right in her face, and he grabs her neck. And knowing now that Maggie wasn't expecting that, if you watch that scene, it is terrifying to watch. It's literally like a serial killer preying on somebody. And, you know, obviously it made for really good film, but that's what kind of a performance this was from Heath. It was a bold risk 
taking performance. And I love that. I love that he went all in on it. And you can see Heath's like sweating when he's doing this. He was nervous. This is his first day on set in the Joker makeup. He's got thousands of extras in the room. Can you imagine? He's got this one-on-one scene with Rachel and he decides to go off script and grab her. Like you can see under his lip, like right under his nose, above his lip, he's sweating and he's like, he's feeling it. It's a such an intense scene. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. When the jerk, when the Joker stops, when the Joker starts taking victims, this film gets rolling. Like when he starts actually killing people, like I just think he's, you know, he's the turning point. And obviously as he should be. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is here. Alfred is talking to Bruce. Now, I didn't know really how to deliver this, so I'm just going to read you the script. Uh, Bruce says, targeting me won't get their money back. He's talking about the mob here. I knew the mob wouldn't go down without a fight, but this is different. They crossed the line. And Alfred says, you crossed the line first, sir. You squeezed them. You hammered them to the point of desperation. And in their desperation, they turned to a man they didn't fully understand. Bruce then says, criminals aren't complicated, Alfred. Just have to figure out what he's after. And then Alfred says this line, and now this is my favorite. With respect, Master Wayne, perhaps this is a man that you, fu- you don't fully understand. A long time ago, I was in Burma. My friends and I were working for the local government. They were trying to buy the loyalty of tribal leaders by bribing them with precious stones. But their caravans were being raided in the forest north of a ragoon by a bandit. So we weren't looking for the stones, but in six months, we never met anybody who would trade with him. One day, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been throwing them away. And then Bruce says, so why steal them? And Alfred says, well, because he thought it was good sport. Because some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Now this dialogue paired with some of the close-up shots of the Joker from Batman's uh, sort of screens that he has set up in his little cave there, it's just so good. As Alfred's reading that dialogue, it zooms in really close on Joker's face because it's trying to ID him. And man, I just get chills when I read that. Like, how good is the writing for this film? How good is this script. Scene with Batman walking to Gordon uh, is a parallel for the Batman. Yes, I sent this to my friends. I sent this to Austin and, uh, and Zane uh, because I got really excited and I actually posted it on my Instagram too. I had never noticed this before, but in the scene where Batman is checking out the crime scene after you know Joker says, you'll find Harvey Dent at the crime scene dead, it's actually like two cops with the last name Dent and the last name Harvey. So it's, that's a cool scene. And Batman sort of, I need 10 minutes with the scene before your men contaminate it. As he's walking towards Gordon, that is the perfect parallel shot from the Batman trailer with Robert Pattinson. It's identical. I put them side by side on my Instagram. You guys got to go check that out if you get the chance. It's so intense when you expect the attack from the Joker uh, at the parade. Yeah, so he kills Commissioner Loeb through, um, uh, through sort of like a poison in his drink. 
and we have that funeral for Loeb, and it's kind of like this big sort of ceremony, and you got the bagpipes going, security's high, you know, Gordon's making sure that everything's going well, and you're just sort of waiting for something to go wrong. We know the Joker's there, and we know he's going to assassinate the mayor, or he's going to try, because that's the victim that he put out there, right? He was going to try and assassinate the, the, the mayor. And ultimately, Gordon dives in front of the, the bullet and gets shot. And that's the scene I was talking about in my bad points where, you know, Joker kills Gordon, but somehow Gordon survived that. He must have been wearing a bulletproof vest. But just the way the movie sells it, I didn't really like. Uh, Batman, finally, a threatening fight scene. Okay, yeah. So when he's trying to get some information about the Joker, he visits Maroney at this random club in Gotham and you know the music's blaring and there's the strobe lights going and you just see like Christian Bale's Batman just plowing through guys trying to get to Maroney that's a badass scene and now we get to see Harvey's dark side we've reached the point in the film where Harvey's becoming a little bit desperate here Um, Rachel's been named by the Joker as one of the next victims and Harvey takes one of Joker's um joker's goons from uh from the parade one of them gets shot in the knee and then harvey kind of hijacks the ambulance that he's sitting in and he's handcuffed to it and harvey takes that ambulance and goes to this dark alley and he's like interrogating this man and he's just trying to get answers because he's scared for rachel but we see a dark side in this man you know like he's got holding the gun and holding it to this guy's head and Batman shows up and stops Harvey from ultimately killing this guy because Harvey starts flipping the coin. We see Harvey doing sort of the coin thing throughout. Um, More is a good thing at the beginning because it's a double-sided coin. Like it's both sides of it is, uh, you know, a heads. So that's kind of the joke when he says to Rachel at the beginning, uh, it got my first date with you. And she's like, I wouldn't leave something up to chance, something like that up to chance. And he's like, I don't, I make my own luck because it's a double-sided coin. Um, But yeah, ultimately, he was going to kill this guy. (laughs) And uh, Batman's like, you know, he's a paranoid schizophrenic. What do you expect to learn from him? All this stuff. And you're the symbol of hope that Gotham needs right now. If anyone saw this, it would all be undone. And that's sort of the, the narrative that they have with Harvey, is like, hey, you need to keep this white knight face in order. Because... We need you as a city. We need, a, we need a hero with a face. We can't just have this masked vigilante the whole time. Uh, I see now what I would have to become to stop men like him. Great line here from Batman. So here's some more dialogue between Batman and uh, Alfred here. Bruce says to him, he says, People are dying, Alfred. What would you have me do? And Alfred says, Endure. Master Wayne, take it. They'll hate you for it, but that's the point of Batman. He can be the outcast. He can make the choice that no one else can make, the right choice. And Bruce says, well, today I found out what Batman can't do. He can't endure this. Today, you get to see, you, today you get to say, I told you so. And Alfred says, today, I don't want to. And that's a callback to the earlier, earlier part in the film where Bruce is like, Batman has no limits. 
<laughs> terrible lisp. His lisp is so bad. But anyways, moving on from that. And, uh, you know, we have the, the scene where Harvey's talking to, he holds the press conference and he says, um, the night is darkest just before the dawn. I have that as a note in here because, <laughs> man, every single metaphor in this film kind of comes true. We see what they're talking about. It's all foreshadowing. And, you know, in this case, we're kind of seeing the dawn happening with Harvey at the beginning. And then, boom, we fall into the darkness. All right, now we have the chase scene. So this is a very important scene for this film. And it's that, you know, Batman is trying to save Harvey. Because Harvey says at the press conference, this is the press conference, by the way, to unmask the Batman, essentially. And Bruce goes there because he's going to sort of unveil who he is because he's sick and tired of people dying on his watch. And it turns into this thing where Harvey sort of decides, you know, I'm going to take up, I'm going to say I was Batman. And so ultimately the cops take him and this is where the chase scene occurs. Joker hijacks a semi and he follows them. And I have here that the chase scene where Joker shows up in the semi that says laughter on the side, but he has spray painted the letter S in front of laughter on the side of the semi. So now it says slaughter. Awesome. Man, oh man, this is a good movie. They actually flipped that semi, by the way. Like, in that scene where Batman comes flying out from the side of the building, you know, like, and that's such a good scene when Joker's in that semi and he's like, you know, his clips where the windshield shattered and he's kind of like, I like this job, I like it, you know, and stuff like that. Like, he's just, he's crazy and he's loving what he's doing and he knows what to do in these crazy situations. And Batman comes out on the bat pod. We get the bat pod in this and it's badass. I remember loving that scene where Batman comes flying out of the side of the building and the wheels kind of rotate both front and back so that he can move sort of vert- or, uh, horizontally side to side on the street. I, man, I love that. And he, when he comes out of the side of that building and Joker goes, now there's a Batman. But as I was saying, they flip that semi. Batman goes underneath and the practicality of Christopher Nolan to be able to actually flip a full semi and film that, it just shows the commitment to this grounded sort of character, this grounded version of Batman that he's doing. And I, I, I love it. Joker and Batman playing chicken will forever be a classic scene. Now that was used for posters. Joker standing in the street holding the AK-47 you know, and he looks fantastic in this scene. The first fantastic of episode seven has been dropped. Um, he's holding the AK-47 and, you know, he's, come on, come on, hit me. Come on, hit me. And Batman ultimately won't hit him. And Joker knows that. He has Batman in the palm of his hand here. But then Gordon comes back <laughs> out of nowhere and captures Joker just before Joker's about to kill Batman too. And then we see Joker in the cell in Gotham. I wanted to talk about the scene where Gordon gets promoted. And when he gets promoted, we see uh, Joker 
in the cell clapping. And that clap was improvised. He wasn't supposed to do that. So you just, little fun fact there, and you just sort of see more how Heath was able to add to scenes and, you know, contribute in ways which he wasn't expected to. So above and beyond. The middle of this film is the best. What can I say? Like the semi-scene, um, and then you have the interrogation scene between Batman and the Joker. That's such a classic too. Uh, Joker's plan to be caught. The acting, just such a good film. So let's get into the interrogation scene a little bit. Um, I just have, here's a note. Batman Joker interrogation scene is the best bit of film you will see in a lifetime. Heath Ledger is about as good as an actor as you're going to get, period, in this scene. So I wanted to read the dialogue to you here. Bruce says, then why do you want to kill me? And Joker says, you know, he laughs and he says, I don't want to kill you. Why would I want to kill you? What would I do without you? Back to ripping off mob dealers? No. No, you complete me. And Batman says, you're garbage who kills for money. And he says, don't talk like one of them. You're not. Even if you'd like to be. To them, you're just a freak. Like me. They need you right now. But when they don't, they'll cast you out. Like a leper. You see, their morals, their code, it's a bad joke. Dropped at the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. I'll show you. When the chips are down, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. See, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. Like, are you kidding me with that writing? That, like, who would have thought to write Joker that way? He's smart. He's intellectual. He understands. Like, you almost agree with Joker in this scene. And that's what makes it so powerful. And obviously the delivery from Heath. And then Batman is sort of beating Joker up. And Joker, at this point, Joker is just trying to get in his head. He's like, does, you know, he mentions, uh, for, for a while there, I really thought you were Dent, the way you threw yourself after her. And he's like, what? Like, you have two people captured? Because right now, Bruce is just trying to find out where Dent is. And he's like, does Harvey know about you and his little bunny? And then Batman starts just pounding on him. Where are they? I like, okay, I want to say this. I hate Christian Bale's Batman voice, but in this scene where he's just throwing down on Joker and screaming, where are they? I get chills, man. Like that is just so powerful and he's threatening and Joker's just taking it and he's loving it. Like you have nothing to threaten me with. You know, he's saying things like killing is like making a choice. You choose between one life or the other. Your friend, the district attorney, or his blushing bride-to-be, and he's laughing maniacally in between these lines. And he says, you have nothing. This is where Joker wins, in my opinion. You have nothing. Nothing to threaten me with. Nothing to do with all your strength. And then Batman grabs him and he says, and Joker says, don't worry. I'm going to tell you where they are. Both of them. And that's the point. You'll have to choose. And then he tells him the exact addresses, but he switches them. And that adds another element to this scene. You choose between one life or the other, right? And 
obviously Joker knows that he's going to go for Rachel. So he switches the addresses to defeat him even further. That scene where Batman shows up, like, like, and it's Harvey instead of Rachel, that's heartbreaking. And you go, oh shit. Like, we're about to see a death here. Joker's going to win again. And ultimately, yeah, he blows Rachel right up. And that's like the most effective scene in the film because it makes you go, holy shit, like Joker's not messing around here. And he's actually taking out people that Batman love now. The race against time where it just sort of builds and builds in that scene, man. Some of the best scenes of the film are, actually, this is one of the best scenes in the film. When Joker's hanging his head out the cop car and he's sort of like a dog. And that's so, oh man, just even talking about this gets me so fired up. You know, like he's hanging his head out of the window like a dog. And, you know, you have that parallel of Batman standing in the rubble. Defeated. You know, the rubble where, where Rachel died. Joker's won in that scene. And there's even a callback to Joker hanging his head out of the window like a dog. He says to Harvey, he's like, I'm like a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. You know, like, I just do things. The writing is sort of laid into this film. And it's like the heart and soul of the film. And you have these really good films where you you root for certain characters. But I never expected to root for the Joker. But when I watch this film, I'm like, this guy is awesome. And he's killing this role. Heath Ledger is killing this role and I'm loving every minute of him defeating Batman. That's powerful stuff. Harvey's terrifying after his accident. They truly make him into a villain. Like, they went hardcore with the Two-Face look. This ain't no 1995 Tommy Lee Jones Two-Face, you guys. This is like, dude's missing half his face. (laughs) And they went all in. I love this line from Joker where he says, this city deserves a better class of criminal. And I'm going to give it to him. Joker raises the stakes higher and higher with each threat. If Coleman Reese isn't dead in one hour, I blow up a hospital. Like what? Coleman Reese is working for Wayne Enterprises. He's like the lawyer, I think, for Bruce. And he figures out early on, we see that he knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman because he found the blueprints for the bat pod and all this stuff and lucius fox actually makes a fool out of him a little bit and says you know your plan is to blackmail the most powerful man in the world like good luck but yeah coleman reese decides to go to tv and announce the identity of the batman to kind of end this sort of tyranny that joker is bestowing upon gotham and He says, you know, if Coleman Reese isn't dead in one hour, he says this on the news, he hijacks a news anchor. He grabs one of the news anchors and like hides him in like this dark, gritty hole and like films him on the camcorder. And he's like, if Coleman Reese isn't dead in one hour, I blow up a hospital. Crazy. I love that Bruce is ripping through Gotham City in his Lambo. 
that's such a great scene. You know, he's calling out names to Alfred and Alfred checks the names for cops who have family members in the hospitals, right? Because obviously, potentially the cops could go after Coleman Reese because they're the ones protecting him. And sure enough, yes, it is one of the cops that Gordon has with him while he's trying to protect Reese that ends up trying to shoot him. And then we have Joker manipulating Harvey uh, in the nurse outfit. It's such a good scene. It's such a cool look for Joker too. Like Joker has many looks in this film. And the nurse look is one of them. One of the classic iconic scenes that I'll always remember Heath Ledger for. And I really love this dialogue. I'm going to read some of the dialogue here from this scene with uh, Joker and Harvey. So Joker's basically saying to Dent, he says, I just did what I do best. I took your little plan and I turned it on itself. Look what I did to this city with a few drums of gas and a couple of bullets. You know what I've noticed? Nobody panics when things go according to plan, even if the plan is horrifying. If tomorrow I tell the press that, like a gangbanger, will get shot, or a truckload of soldiers will be blown up, nobody panics. But it's all because it's part of a plan. But then when I say when one little old mayor will die, well, then everyone loses their minds. And then he loads the gun that, Harvey's point, that Harvey has, and he, or that uh, Joker brought a gun with him. And he loads this gun and he points it to Joker's... Joker points it on himself and places Harvey's hand on the trigger and says, introduce a little anarchy. Upset the established order and everything becomes chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. Oh, and you know about the thing... You know the thing about chaos? It's fair. And this is when Harvey pulls out the coin and says, you live, and then flips it over to the now darkened side from the explosion. You die. And Joker says, now you're talking. That's such a good scene, you guys. The writing in this. He's an agent of chaos. You know? Like, that is so powerful. So powerful. And, you know, the writers for this movie understood the character of Joker. Now we get to the scene where Joker holds the remote detonator for the hospital. And he, he clicks it, and the explosion starts. But then it kind of stops right away, and it feels kind of out of line. That wasn't supposed to happen that way? Well, it wasn't supposed to happen that way. The hospital was just supposed to explode. And, you know, he, again, he improvised that scene where, with the clicker not working. He just stuck, he stayed in character and clicked it a bunch of other times. Then all of a sudden, all of the explosions go off. And it makes for a really good part of this film. Batman turning every single phone into a sonar device. Okay, this is an important scene too. Batman turns, so early on in the film when Batman goes to collect Lao from China, uh, Lucius sets up a sonar phone so that Batman can kind of get an idea of the surroundings of the building, the security, all this stuff. Well, Batman takes that idea and turns it into this giant sonar throughout the city every single phone into a sonar device and you know Lucius is not on board with this and he says to Batman as long as this machine is at Wayne Enterprises I won't be and 
you know, Batman says, I've got to find this man, Lucius. I love that line. He's desperate. He needs all the help he can get. And he says, only you can use it. It's data encrypted. When you're finished, type in your name. I love that scene. I love how Harvey's, uh, Harvey is just picking off the people responsible for Rachel's death. There's talk of corruption throughout the film, corruption throughout Gotham City in the, in the cops or in the, in the police station. And there are two cops specifically who betrayed him and Rachel. And it's Ramirez, the girl we see at the beginning, and Wirtz, who's the guy who he ultimately kills in this scene. And we start seeing Harvey, you know, he goes after Maroney too. I love how Joker just sets up his little social experiment to get everyday citizens' hands dirty. He wants to bring them down to his level. That's kind of the plan, right? He wants to, he knows Batman will come for him, but also he wants to show Batman, hey, the citizens that you're trying to protect, they're greasy. These people are going to commit the crimes that I'm committing, and I'm going to show you how you know, when the chips are down, like that's, that's that scene that I'm talking about when he's doing the interrogation, Batman's interrogating him. Joker says, when the chips are down, these civilized people will eat each other. Now that's a little comment. That comment from Joker is a little tip of the cap to what his plan is at the end with these two, the two fairies. He's got this fairy full of criminals on one side and a fairy full of everyday citizens and they're basically riding parallel across the bay. And Joker gives, he says, you know, he comes on the intercom and he says, tonight you're all going to be a part of a social experiment. And he just wants to show not only himself, but Batman, that the citizens of this city, they're dirty and they'll do what Joker wants them to. I love how Batman gives Gordon the Joker's location and he goes, I have Joker's location, assemble across, assemble on the building across. And ultimately, like, Gordon gets to the point where he's so desperate that he kind of argues with Batman on the roof, where he's like, he's like, I need to save Dent. I need to stop this, you know? And he's like, give me five, he's like, I need five minutes alone. I love that gate. Why doesn't Christian Bale use this sort of voice where it's a little bit growly, but you also hear the tone of his normal voice. He does it at some points throughout the film, and I love that Batman, but I don't love when he's, like, super growly and annoying, you know? Like, it's just, it's too much. And this is a perfect example when he's like, I need five minutes alone. I love the way he delivers that line. But yeah, and Gordon's just arguing with him because he's like, give him two, he says to his cops, he's like, give him two minutes because we need to breach here. We need to get this going. I love the scene where Batman has to take out the cops. It shows how quick and tactical he can be in a critical moment. Uh, it's such an impressive scene. It's easily my favorite Bale Batman moment when he's hooking up all the cops and, you know, uh, Batman's goggles are all rigged up to see the sonar machine back at Wayne Enterprises so he can see what Fox is seeing. Such a good look. And then, obviously, when Batman's taking out the officers, they finally corner him, and they're like, freeze, we will shoot you, drop the officer. He takes one step back, and every single officer is attached to this lanyard. 
And it's such a badass moment for Batman. They play the Batman score in the background and all of the cops kind of hang over the side of the building by their feet. So awesome. Uh, When Batman finally reaches the top of the skyscraper and Joker's up there with the two dogs, the dogs attack him and Joker is ferociously and violently attacking Batman. Such a crazy scene with the crowbar like that. He's just, you know, and he's just pounding him. It's, Joker has a lot of uh, anger and he fights actually quite well. I was pretty impressed. All right, this is the scene, this is the final scene for Heath Ledger's Joker. And I really wanted to read the dialogue because Christian Bale is, I thought about putting this in there as a soundbite, but I find Christian Bale so difficult to understand in this scene. I just wanted to read it to you because it's beautifully written here. And it describes Joker and Batman's relationship to a T, in my opinion. So this is when Joker's hanging upside down. He says, oh, you just couldn't let me go, could you? This is what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. You truly are incorruptible, aren't you? You won't kill me out of some misplaced sense of self-righteousness, and I won't kill you because you're just too much fun. I think you and I are destined to do this forever. And Batman says, you'll be in a padded cell forever. And Joker says, maybe we can share one. You know, they'll be doubling up the rate this city's inhabitants are losing their minds. Batman says, this city just showed you that it's full of people ready to believe in good. Joker says, until their spirit breaks completely, until they get a good look at the real Harvey Dent and all of the heroic things he's done. You didn't think I'd risk losing the battle for Gotham's soul in a fistfight with you. No, you need an ace in a hole. And mine's Harvey. And Batman says, what did you do? And he says, I took Gotham's white knight and I brought him down to our level. It wasn't hard. You see, madness, as you know, is like gravity. All it takes is a little push. And then he starts laughing maniacally. And then that scene cuts out, exit Heath Ledger, Oscar winner, best supporting actor. Rest in peace, my man. That was, he's unreal in this movie. And it's such a great way to remember him. Anytime I'm feeling like I need to watch a Batman scene, that's a great scene to pull up. And just listen to what is said. Listen intently. Follow how this movie is written. And you will find way more good in it than you could possibly imagine. Like, Joker has won. He's defeated Batman several times in this movie, and it becomes fully apparent when he says to him, look, I'm, I'm just distracting you here. My real ace in the hole was Harvey. And by the way, he's evil now. So have fun with that, you know? Like, I may be captured, but check out what Harvey's doing, and it's going to break Gotham's spirit. And that sets up the final narrative for this film. And we'll get into that in a minute here. The narrative for Harvey is coming full circle now. And it's the absolute cherry on the top. The whole idea of you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Let's get into this. So now Harvey, Harvey has now become Two-Face. And Batman shows up to the scene 
Harvey's stolen uh, Gordon's kids and his wife, and Harvey's holding Gordon's son with a gun to his head. And Batman says, you don't want to hurt the boy, Harvey. And Two-Face says, it's not about what I want. It's about what's fair. You thought we could be decent men at an indecent time, but you were wrong. The world is cruel, and the only morality in a cruel world is chance. Unbiased, unprejudiced, fair. His son's got the same chance she had, 50-50. And Batman says, what happened to Rachel wasn't chance. We decided to act. We three. He's talking about himself, Gordon, and Two-Face. Or Harvey, I should say. Two-Face says, then why was it me who was the only one who lost everything? And Batman, sort of grieved, says it wasn't. Batman learns what it takes to defeat Joker. He says the Joker cannot win. And this literally is the moment where Batman defeats the Joker. He pounces on Harvey and knocks him over the edge. And, you know, Harvey ultimately dies here um, in the fall. And he lands in a way where his burnt, disfigured face is on one side. And uh, the good half of his face is actually facing the dirt. So here we go. He finally learns how to defeat the Joker. He says to Gordon, he says, the Joker cannot win. And he turns Harvey's face over from the burnt side to the light side. And he says, Gotham needs its true hero. Batman is the hero of this city, but they need him to be a villain in this case. Like, you know, Gordon's sitting there saying, five dead, two of them cops. You can't just wipe that slate clean. And Batman says, but the Joker cannot win. Cannot win. And that's where you go, okay, I see where this movie's been going. And Batman says it. He says what we all were expecting. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Man, chills every single time when he reiterates that line. And then, you know, this final scene with Gordon's voiceover, it sends a chill down my spine, a very friendly chill. And it will for the rest of my life. Every time I hear the closing statement from Gordon, I get that chill. Why is he running, Dad? Because we have to chase him. Okay, we're going in! Go, go! Move! He didn't do anything wrong. Because it's the hero Gotham deserves. But not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt him. Because he can take it. Because he's not a hero. He's a silent guardian. A watchful protector. So yeah, as I was saying, that is just every time I hear that, I get that chill. And Gordon in that last line sums up what Batman is and what he stands for in this version of the character. It's, it's so powerful. 
And, you know, with that, we're going to get into our conclusion here. And then I'll do my final summary and I'll give you guys the good versus bad tally. And we'll finish with the rating. So let's get into the conclusion. The Dark Knight. The sequel to Batman Begins. The second film of the Dark Knight trilogy. And the performance of a lifetime. The comic book movie guy good versus the comic book movie guy bad. I'll tell you what the final tally is. But first, a question. What makes this the ultimate comic book movie? Let's answer this in my final summary. This film, what can I say? I often talk about how we as fans and a fan base are lucky to be alive during this time where these movies exist. We're lucky to experience our comics and our childhood heroes on the big screen. But for me, this movie does something that makes it the best comic book movie of all time. It's a political thriller. It's a crime thriller. It's a superhero genre film with Academy Award-winning performances. We experienced a man put so much into a character with Heath Ledger playing the Joker that his legacy will always be remembered for this performance. We're so lucky to have witnessed that. We're lucky to have witnessed him. This movie is a Batman movie that at times doesn't need Batman. That's how good it is. Batman slash Bruce Wayne is arguably the weakest piece in this masterpiece. Christian Bale's growling Cape Crusader could have been laughable, given the wrong script, but instead, The Dark Knight goes down in history as one of the best movies of all time. I have a homework assignment for my listeners. After you listen to this episode, the next time you watch The Dark Knight, I want you to watch it with one goal in mind. I want you to listen intently to the dialogue. Pay very close attention to the masterful quotes from each one of these characters in this film. This is one of the best written Batman tales you will ever get. And if you pay attention to that detail, you will unlock a whole other level of admiration and love for this movie. This film is like one giant cat and mouse game written like poetry, like a giant chessboard where every move of the pawn is a memorable quote. It's art. Comic book movie guy, final score, The Dark Knight, 10 out of 10. So there you have it. That's the final summary for The Dark Knight. Now, this was an incredible episode. I cannot wait um, to sort of get this out there and have you guys listen to this one because I've been waiting for this one. You know, I, I did this scale for the reason of going back to the 90s Batmans. And I knew as soon as I was going to get into the Dark Knight trilogy that it was going to become really fun because they're so good. Um, you know, let's tally quickly the comic book movie guy good versus bad points, even though it's not overly necessary in this film because we know that the scale tips in the good direction. But just for the sake of continuing the trend, comic book movie guy good points, 80. And comic book movie guy bad points are 13. So I have 13 bad points, little nitpicks, and 80 good points in this episode. But for the most part, I just wanted to say that to show you guys that when I do the scale, you can have your good points, bad points, whatever. But it's more like, how did you find those? And what is the total summary of your film? You know, we've seen films during the scale that 
tip in the bad direction, but I'm able to find good points. That tip in the good direction, but I'm able to find bad points. And it's ultimately, what did the movie mean to you? And I think with The Dark Knight, it becomes sort of this unanimous decision in that when we watch it, we go, this is a cinematic masterpiece and it needs to be acknowledged. And it was. And we'll never, ever forget this great Batman tale. So I've been Comic Book Movie Guy. Thank you guys for listening to part seven of The Scale. And I'll be back next weekend to do The Dark Knight Rises. And we'll get into the finale. This will be the finale of The Scale. And that's with The Dark Knight Rises 2012. So stay tuned for that. And I'll see you guys next time on Comic Book Movie Guy, the podcast. From your secret friend. Underneath the bridge. Who? Top sprung a leak. And the animals I've trapped. Having a clue. Bobby, come Let's play a game. Just me and you. Any of this mean anything to you? <laughs>